Good morning, church. All right, everybody look to the person to the left of you and say, you're the one. Everybody do it. Look to the one and say, you're the one. All right, so guess what? You're the one that's going to keep the one to your right. Cool. We all need each other, right? We're one body, right? All right, we in this thing together. I apologize again for the air being messed up, but next week, Lord willing, the creep don't rise, it's going to be fixed, all right? If, uh, even, even if me and, I would say me and Dallas, somebody, we're going to try to fix this thing. But uh, there you go, thank you. Um, but, it, you know, to me it's a great reminder how good we got it. How good we got it. We rode in a vehicle with air conditioner coming over here. We got it good. I always, went, I always go back to when uh, we went to Honduras, uh, the first mission team that, that we sent to Honduras. Uh, they went met with the people and was like, hey, where y'all do church? He's like, oh, we do it. And they named the mountain. And he's like, okay. So we're going to go to church with y'all tomorrow. I was like, okay. And they went to the mountain looking for a church building, and they showed up, and they were meeting under one tree. It was one tree. Hot, hotter than this. And they met under that tree, and they worshiped God. And it gave, us, gave our, our team the motivation to say, hey, we have building people a building. <laughs> but anyway, we've got it so much better. So we need to thank God for the little things in life. Amen? And one of the things that, that we take for granted, just like this air conditioner, more than anything, is our marriages. We take our spouses for granted. So many times, the ones closest to us end up giving, giving our leftovers instead of our priorities. Amen? Amen. And while we've been going through this series called By Design, it was not God's design for us to get married and then, you know, if this don't work out, we'll do something different. It was God's design for us to be in this thing to the end. And if we do things by God's plan and by God's design, it'll work out. But most of the time, the reason things don't work out the way, we've, the way it's planned is because of our plans. Amen? And I've realized that if we do things God's way, it works out. might not be the way we want it to, but it works out the way God wants it to, and that's most important. You know, so I think when it comes to relationships, most people, they just settle. They settle for the way things are, and they, and they, and they, they make up their mind and thinking, this is always going to be, nothing's going to change, I'm going to be settled. I don't know how many marriages I've counseled, and they're like, well, I guess you're, what you're saying is I got to settle for being miserable my whole life. Like, No. No, that's not what I'm saying. A lot of times, we have to change. Y'all with me? And most people don't like changing, do we? Anybody over 40, raise your hand. Over 40, huh? We don't like changing, do we? I'm going to keep my hand down. I ain't 40 yet. We don't like changing. Even for us younger generations, some of us are old souls in new bodies. <laughs> we don't like change. But, change, but serving God and, and, and making the most of a marriage means you have to constantly be changing. Because it's not about you, is it? It's not about you. You know, one of the things that spoke to me a couple weeks ago was in Genesis chapter 23. Abraham and Sarah had been, had a long, long life together. And at the end, Sarah dies. And Abraham's looking for a place to bury her. And, and, and just stick with me in this because um, God really spoke to me when I read this this past week. He says, verse 17, So Ephraim's field and Macbeth near Miriam, both the field and the cave in it, 
and all the trees within its borders of the field was deeded to Abraham and as, as his property in the presence of all the Hittites and all who came to the city to the gate. And afterwards, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Macbeth near Miriam in the, in the land of Canaan. And so they had, they had lived their whole life together. And when I read that, what stuck out was that name, that, that name, that, that property, Macbeth. The reason that, that, that when you, I did a word study on it, look it up, what, not Macbeth, but Macbeth, I'm sorry. But that plot of land, it, it was, that cave was named a double's cave. It was a cave big enough, it was big enough for many people. And that was the name of the cave was the cave of doubles. So my, and I got thinking, I said, all right, so he picked out the couple's cave, amen? So he said, look, I want my wife, I want to be buried with my wife. We're going to get a cave big enough, not just for her, but for both of us. Because in my mind, Abraham's thinking, it's not about starting well, but finishing well. And a lot of us start out thinking, maybe this will work out, instead of thinking this is forever. And Abraham knew God's design was to, to finish well, to be buried alongside of his wife. And he got a cave big enough that he had, it was big enough for multiple generations to be buried alongside of him. So he was trying to instill that in his children of saying, hey, you start out together and you end together. It's till death do us apart. And the sad thing is it only lasted for two generations. Only two of his sons began to bring, they were buried there and their wives were buried there. Isn't that how it is with, our, with a lot of us? You see a good godly marriage, and a lot of times it doesn't trickle down through the generations. It may go to their sons, but it don't keep going. And the only way it keeps going is that all of us have to keep going back to why it all got started and what all, the reason marriage was created to begin with. You know, you ever thought about, to me, sometimes how crazy marriage is? You ever thought about that? If you've ever been married, you've thought about it sometimes. You're like, man, this don't make sense. Why, God, do I have her? Why? I've never said that, Sabrina. Not one time have I said that. But the thing is, is that we often don't understand. God could have done it a thousand different ways for us to live on this earth. We could have lived by ourselves and just had him. But he created this marriage in such a way so that it glorifies God. That when people are married, it should show what truly loving Jesus looks like. Because you take two imperfect people and you put them under a household. And let me tell you something. If you don't have Jesus, that's a recipe for disaster. I know. I know. I had, I had, a, I had some friends of mine that um, I'm not going to disclose their names. They're not here, so don't be looking around. But they, they didn't know Jesus. They thought they did. And and uh, we were out partying and drinking one night, and, and uh, we come home, and I didn't know Jesus either at the time. This wasn't recent. But uh, we were out doing those things, and I went to go pick my buddy up to go hunting the next morning. And when I went in the house, I, I rolled up to pick him up. The door was kicked in. And uh, I was like, oh, I need to go in. Lights were on. I kind of hollered in, you know, and looked, and I seen the broom and the door broken down. I thought somebody broke in the house, and I went in there, and the house was in shambles. It was, everything was just in a million different pieces. I walked in there and found my buddy laying there on the floor. 
And he was like, man, what was going on? What happened last night? He was like, man, I don't know. We were fussing, and this happened, and that happened, and we tore the house apart, and she picked up something that was going to hit me with it and said, I'm going to kill you. And I said, you ain't got the guts, and here I am. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't kill him. But when you take two unperfect people trying to pursue two different things, it's a recipe for disaster. And if we're not pursuing the same thing, your marriage won't last. It's kind of like a story I heard one time with a guy that was walking across, the, he was actually walking across the United States. Homeboy had been bitten by snakes. He had been ran over. He'd been bitten by dogs. He'd been robbed. I mean, anything that could happen has happened to this boy. And he was walking across America. And they, Good Morning America did, a, did a, like a section on him, on t, a segment on him. And when they did it, they asked him, what was the one thing that almost made you quit? And he sat there and thought, he said, sand in my shoes. They was like, sand in your shoes? He's like, man, you've been hit. You've been hospitalized. You've almost died several times. And you're saying sand almost made you quit. He's like, yeah. He said, I would walk for days. And I, if I got sand in my shoes, it was constantly irritating my feet. And to a point where I had to stop and just, and just allow my wounds to heal before I could get back and go. And, and I just, that got so irritating. It wasn't the big stuff. It was the little stuff like sand that constantly kept rubbing and constantly kept rubbing until finally he was ready to quit. And that's how it is. That's how a lot of you probably are today in your marriage. It's not the big stuff that's happening. It's the little things. And it's constantly the rub and the grind and the, the nitpicking and the constant nagging you feel and the constant disappointment. And, and next thing you know, if you keep letting it build up, build up, build up, finally, finally you're like, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. You know where I'm coming from? Because a lot of times we have our focus on us and our comfort instead on what this whole thing called marriage is all about. You know, when we look at it through God's eyes and realizing that it was meant till death do us apart. And I know some of you have been thinking about that last part. But you know what? It's going to be a long time before they die. If they don't start acting up, we're going to get this thing nullified. You know what I'm saying? We're going to fix this thing. But God's intent was for, you to, for this thing to last. The only way for it to last is for us to get a biblical perspective of what it really means to follow Jesus and also love our neighbor, love our spouse. You know, there's a 100% chance, 100% chance that your marriage will make it to the end if you follow God's plan. 100% chance. But so many times, I know with my own marriage that almost ended in divorce, the reason it almost headed that way is because I was doing things my way. And for the majority of my marriage, it was all about my way or her way, not about us being together. One of the, one of the main things that God created marriage, the foundation of it was in Genesis 2.24. After, after Eve was created and all that, it says, Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When you've married, I'm thinking this is an this is earth-shattering thing for, for most, most men today and ladies. When you get married, you're supposed to leave mom and daddy and cleave to your spouse. You with me? Come on. Y'all with me? Somebody's going to get uncomfortable this morning, but I'm just going to let you know. It ain't about being, still being the mama's boy, all right? Let me tell you a little secret. Your wife ain't going to cook like mama. 
Come on. She ain't going to cook like mama, so stop telling her that. Because you're putting expectations on her that she can't fulfill, and she constantly feels like a failure when you say, mm, the biscuits are good, but they ain't mama's. <laughs> Let me tell you, I got thankful because my wife can cook. Showing up from the beginning. I didn't have the chance to say that. But I've seen so many people put the expectations on their spouses of what their parents were like. Your marriage is not going to look like your mom and daddy's. Thank God for some of us. But let me tell you something. It should look like the marriage of Jesus and the church. Jesus is the bride. I mean, we are the bride of Christ. Jesus is the husband. The church is the bride. We should love our spouses like that, not like looking at everything else. What, what it's calling us to there is when you leave your father and mother and you cleave to your, to your spouse, it's a change in priorities. That's the, one of the biggest things in, our, in most people's lives and marriages is your priorities are jacked up. Why? Because your priorities are focused on who? On you. What makes me feel good? What, what, what makes things easier for me? Instead of living a life of self-sacrificing like Jesus Model for us. So today we're going to be talking about priorities. How to change our priorities. What should our priorities look like in a godly marriage? I know it was a kind of a long introduction, but I want you to get the, the thought of it. See, the priorities of marriage is for husbands and wives to stop, to, to really focus, stop focusing attention on, on everything else and focus on each other. For a successful marriage, a husband and a wife must find a way to avoid the trap of just surviving. And let's say, what's going to take for us to thrive? What's going to take for us to really feel like we're loving, like I love you, like Christ loves me? What's it going to take? You need to sit down in front of your spouse and ask them that and be prepared to hear some very life-shattering answers. One thing that I learned in the business world was that in order to get better at something, you got to find out what you're not good at. You with me? And the reason I found that out because there was a guy working in the department, thought he was the best person in that division than anybody else, and he would mess up the world. Nobody told him what he was doing wrong. But he, so he kept doing the same stupid stuff. So finally, you know, I'm going to help him. I'm going to tell him what was wrong. You know, say, hey, man, I, I was an idiot because nobody else had told him that before. See, some of us need to sit down and take an honest assessment from our spouse and say, hey, what can I do to love you more? What can I do to, 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 to love you better? What, what, what can I do? What, what have I done to, to, to hurt you? And be ready, because the thing of a good godly marriage is to change, Right? Not be the same, not to, not to stay jacked up, but to be changing. And if I know what's hurting my spouse, all right, what's going to make me change so that I can love you through this like Jesus? Amen? Because we've done things to him that, that he keeps forgiving. Amen? There's nothing too big if we're truly following Christ and we're modeling our relationship with our wife like Christ. So we've got, to, we've got to establish these priorities, and it's crazy. You ask people, what's your priorities? And they'll, man, they'll list them out. But then you, watch, you look at their life, and their life don't reflect that at all. You with me? Just because you got them written down don't mean those are your priorities. What you're projecting, what you're living is now your priorities. 
And so a lot of times where a lot of us in, in our relationships, we have a relationship that we feel like we're not loved, we're not appreciated. It's because our priorities are jacked up. Because if our priority was our spouse, then things would change. Amen? Well, I ain't going to get no amens today, baby. So you need to stop saying that my spouse is a priority, my family is a priority, and you need to start showing them that they are a priority by the way you have changed your life and circling it around them. Amen? But see, you will never do that until you understand what abandoning yourself looks like. See, the first step in being the godly husband and the godly wife that God's called you to be is, number one, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Focusing your life to Christ. I cannot love Sabrina the way she Deserves to be loved unless I am loving Jesus. Because he gives me the power to overlook things that offend me, that hurt me, that make me mad. He gives me the power to override my selfish desires to do Jeremy instead of being Jeremy and Sabrina. Amen? All of us have to fight those selfish desires. That's the number one problem in most marriages is the reason you have arguments and you fuss and you fight is because your priorities are jacked up. You're looking at what makes you happy instead of what makes you guys happy together. You know, I need that one person to me over here. I'm telling you. I, got, I read a quote this week that really jumped out at me. It says, for a great marriage, it describes a couple in sweet harmony, mutually caring for each other, sensitive to their needs, and together pursuing God's work. The only way you do that is you've you got to put God first. The most marriages I've seen that... that is either the wife or the husband, one or one or the other, are pursuing God, and the other one's not, and they're miserable. You know why? Because they're going in two different directions. And the only way for us to be fulfilling God's purpose in marriage is for us to be unified and going after the same thing. So a lot of you are miserable because either your spouse is pursuing God and you're not. And the way you need to change that, you need to surrender your life to Jesus today. You need to say, you know what? I, I, I realize that that I cannot love my spouse the way God commands me to love them until first I realize how Jesus Christ loves me. I cannot forgive my spouse for the things she, the way she's treated me or the way he's treated me over the past until I understand how Jesus Christ forgave me of my sins. Amen? We got to put God first if we're going to have a godly Christian marriage. We cannot say that we have a godly Christian marriage if we're not walking with God. Y'all with me? What you're saying is I have a, I'm flirting with God and claiming it, but I'm not really walking in it. You with me? See, putting God first is the most important thing. Mark 12, 30 says, our Lord Jesus, it says this, it says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And this is the greatest commandment because God created us first and foremost for the relationship with him. And it's foundational for, for your life and for marriage, and it's and this really, it helps you get your priorities straightened out. One of the greatest problems that most people have is to take the back, take the back seat and allow somebody else to run their life. You with me? And some of you men are looking at me like, hold up now. I ain't letting my wife run my life. I ain't letting that happen. No, but it's saying, you know what? I'm not doing this on my own. We're doing this together. You know, one of the biggest things that happened to me was my pride. We used to go hunting. I mean, I, I hunted all the time. And those of you that knew me before, now you, you know I hunted 24-7. 
And it was, Sabrina was kind of like, when am I going to get to see you? What, what season is it now? Because it was all about me. I wanted to hunt. And I remember saying these selfish statements of saying, baby, look, I work six days a week. I want to go hunting one day. You know how much I saw her that whole week? About a half an hour. Enough to take a bath, eat supper, and go to bed. And I thank God she hung on for that for as long as she did. But the thing is, it was all about me and, my, and it was my selfishness. Because I didn't have time. And she was at home starving for my affection. Starving for that love relationship. And a lot of you, God is the same way. You've made a commitment to follow Jesus, but you're not walking in it. You're not spending time with God. You're not, you're not communing with him. You're not doing any of those things. And God's like, where you at? You say you love me, but your actions doesn't show that. You're so consumed with yourself and what makes you happy, and you're not even listening to me at all. And until you can truly love Jesus and surrender your life to Christ, you will never love your spouse the way God's commanded you to. Because when I started following Jesus, it, it allowed me to sacrifice myself. So you know what? I can hunt later, baby. Let me spend some time with you today. When's the last time you sacrificed something you wanted to do really bad in order to spend time with your wife or your husband so they would know that they are appreciated? See, they need to know that they're first, not just necessary. You, you with me? Some of our spouses just feel like they're just a part of your life, not the center of your life. And God didn't create marriage for it just to be this Lego thing that just connects in and it's just a part of you. He, it's got to be you. When I married Sabrina, it, it wasn't about Jeremy anymore. It was Jeremy and Sabrina. Sabrina put a, a, a thing over our bed in our house that says Jeremy and Sabrina. To always rem- and, I, and I'm glad she did it because it reminds me, and that sounds kind of corny to some of you because that's kind of like what we did when we were kids, right? Carving the tree and all that, but nobody got That was supposed to be funny. But anyway, <laughs> the thing is, it's a daily reminder of saying, look, it ain't just Jeremy in this house. It's Jeremy and Sabrina. This is us together. It's about you guys being unified, and you won't unify unless you're truly pursuing Jesus. So number, number one, you got to get put God first in your life. The second thing is getting things in order. Joshua, I love Joshua, and, and this is one of the biggest ways in order for you to get things in order. And Joshua 24, 15 says this, says, Joshua was telling at the end of his, end of his uh, little talk in Joshua, he says, verse 15, he says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites and those who you are living. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. See, establishing the right order, number one, begins that you got to draw a line in the sand. Amen? You got to make a decision. And a lot of us hadn't made a decision. We're just kind of aimlessly being blown through the wind. We're just going with you every way we can go. We're just kind of haphazardly doing life. There's no structure to our life. There's, no, there's nothing kind of keeping us in the box. You're just kind of going any way you can go. But you got to decide to have a godly household. Amen? You got to decide to love your spouse like Jesus loves you. You've got to decide. You've got to draw that line in the sand and say, you know what? I'm going to love my spouse like Jesus loves me, even if they don't love me back. And you know, when you do that, people are not going to agree with you. 
There's a young lady that I'm, that I'm close to that she's been married for a while. She's been a, she's been a follower of Jesus for a long time. She gets married. Her husband just don't, don't, don't know Jesus, don't, don't care about Jesus, don't want her to have anything to do with Jesus, don't want her to go to church. I mean, it's horrible. Everybody, and everybody's like, you know what? You just need to leave him. People in the church tell him just leave him. Just get him. But she consistently surrendered her life to Jesus every day, surrendered that. She, she was living out Ephesians 5 submitting to her husband. She was loving him anyway, showing him the love of Christ, even though he didn't deserve it, even though sometimes he was kind of a butthead about things. She kept on pursuing Jesus in spite of her husband and loving her husband anyway. You know what happened last week? That man gave his life to Jesus Christ. You know why? That's something to praise God about, ain't it? You know why? Because she had Jesus as number one priority. She had her husband as number one priority. And she pursued his heart like he, she was pursuing Jesus. And that's a great testimony. That's to be some hope for some of you ladies up in here that are married to a man that don't love Christ. You should need to keep pursuing Jesus no matter what. And in the end, Jesus wins. But you got to stay faithful. And the same thing, the flip side for men living with a woman that don't love Christ. You need to keep pursuing Jesus. By your example, they will be won over. But you're having the right priorities in those things. See, most people, they put everything else first. Can you remember when you started dating your spouse? Some of you can't think back that long. But you started dating, man. I, I mean, I remember I, it was like I couldn't wait to get off work to go pick Sabrina up. And I would buy her anything. I would do anything she wanted me to do. You remember? I was over there all the time. I was like, oh, and it was just like Sabrina's daddy was like, boy, where do you live? Why don't you go home? I couldn't, I couldn't help but be over there and, 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 just, and just love being around her and her family and, and different things. But the thing is, a lot of times we lose that, that excitement after we get married. You know why? Because you were pursuing your spouse's heart. You were trying to show them every time you saw them that how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. And what happens is after time, you stop doing that and you start putting other things more on top of that, on top of them on the priority list. You with me? Work becomes important. Bills become important. I can't spend time with you, baby, because you know what? I got to make another $300 a day or $100 a day because we got to pay bills. Bills become more important than your spouse. And then the next thing you know, if you're not careful, you'll be doing that for 10, 15 years. And you look around and it's like, who am I even married to? This person that I was passionately in love with is now no more than a roommate. We ain't held hands in five years. I mean, and, and, and then you worry, and then, and then what gets me is like, then, you, then it's like, I don't know why she's saying that she's not happy because all you do is come in, baby, what you got for supper? Let's go to bed. Let's do it tomorrow. Same thing on the flip side with the man. You, you have to continue to pursue one another. Y'all with me? Why? Why is it important that we keep pursuing each other? Because Jesus Christ pursues you every day. Our marriage projects what Jesus Christ is to us. And one of the things in writing this this past week, God spoke to me, is how can we claim to love a God we can't see if we can't love the spouse that God gives us that we see every day? And if that union of marriage is supposed to show the world what loving Jesus looks like, how well have you been showing the world the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? And I can admit I fall short a lot on that. 
but it's because my priorities get jacked up. A lot of people get bogged down in the demands of work and raising children and responsibilities of things. And I, I, I really understand. It's so easy to elevate your children above your spouse. Their needs, they're needy. The little booger we got, man, he's needy right now. But you know what? I, I, me and Sabrina, we've realized the need for that because next thing you know, you're just tending to the kids. You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to sleep. You're just trying to do all this stuff. And, and they, if you do that so long, you lose each other in that because you've elevated something higher than God intended it to be. And a lot of people are miserable in their relationships because they have things that are elevated higher than God's design and plan. In God's eyes, your life should be him first, your spouse second, your kids third, and then your job, and then your hobbies. And when things get out of context and out of order, that's when people are not fulfilled and people are, are just ready to give up and quit. That sand in the shoe is kind of like when your spouse is wanting to spend time with you, but you're like, you know what? I'm going golfing today. I'm going to be with the boys today. Or I'm going to be with the girls today. And they'll only feel unappreciated so long before they'll, Satan will start whispering things in their ear and be like, you know what? Somebody else will appreciate you. Somebody else will do this for you. Lord help, there's a pile of people on Facebook just trolling, looking for people vulnerable. And then when stuff happens, we're like, oh, oh, poor, poor, pitiful me. You let your guard down. Because our priorities are jacked up. And I'm not trying to beat us over the head, but I want you to understand how important it is that we prioritize our life. It's something that, that should be a priority. Our marriage, our, your spouse, it should be the number one thing. You should be pursuing with all your heart, your wife, your husband. Do they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you care and appreciate them? But... So I know a lot of us in this room has probably been walking through life and, and we've been married and we've been doing things and maybe, maybe, maybe we've kind of lost retrospect. How, how do we regain that, what was lost? How, how, how do we get back to that? How do we start changing our priorities? How does my spouse know that I will be important, they're important to me and not just necessary? Number one, is you start connected with each other every day. When's the last time you and your spouse have sat down and just talked about life, not about the kids, not about the bills, not about anything, but just talked about life? When's the last time you've done that? When I wrote that down today, I was like, well, I ain't done that in about a week. It's hard, ain't it? One person agrees with me. Actually, y'all got it down, huh? I'm just preaching to myself. It's hard. It's hard. But if my love for my wife should show everyone around me how much I love Jesus, then it shouldn't be that hard, should it? But it is. Because everything else is trying to pollute that. Everything else is trying to pull at your time. So make a commitment to start whether it's a few minutes after dinner, when the kids are in bed, whether it's setting, putting, time along, putting time aside, doing something to spend time every day with your wife to see, just check on her heart. How are you doing? What's going on? How, you know, how, how was the day? 
going. My mind is so scattered. How my wife does it, she's like, who you talk to today? I was like, I don't know. So I give her my phone. I said, I go, and she looked at it. She's like, oh, you talked to this one, this one, this one, this one. I was like, yeah, let me tell you what happened today. And then just kind of, you know, she, I need her for that. And she knows that I need her for that. So that's why she progs me. But that's the thing, just talking about stuff, connecting as a couple. Next thing is scheduling weekly dates. When's the last time you and your spouse went on a date? Oh, Lord, I hear over here. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I know. When's the last time? Because what happens when kids come in the picture and work and all the other stuff happens, everything else is second, and you haven't had a date. I know some of you men are like, man, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going on a date. I don't know why I got to carry on a date. And we'll see her every day. We eat supper. I don't know why I got to go on a date. It's because. <laughs> it's because she wants to feel appreciated. Amen? She wants you to feel like that, that little girl that, that you fell in love with when you were 16 years old. She wants that relationship. She wants that. Let me, let me, I'm going to break it down a little bit better for you. Man, so many people complain to me why they ain't got no passion in their marriage. You know why? Because you ain't pursuing your wife like you once did. You start pursuing her heart, you'll have that passion. You'll have that, that, that desire will come back. But the thing is, So many of us, we don't, we don't put it down. We just want it to happen. If you don't schedule, uh, who, who needs a schedule up in here? I need a schedule. Bad, I need a schedule. We got to put it on a calendar. I was telling, I, I, tell, I got Google, I got Outlook, and I got Sabrina. And you know what? If, if I don't put it on Google, if I don't put it on that, Sabrina usually catches it. Last night, we was at the birthday party. I said, Sabrina, remind me of that. And Megan said, Jeremy, you need a calendar. I was like, I got one. She's right here. But put it on the calendar, schedule it. If you don't schedule time, it won't never happen. You with me? There's maintenance on your car. Every 5,000 miles, you got to get that thing. You got to get the oil changed. You got a reminder. It's scheduled. And you keep driving it. Eventually, ladies, you listen to me? Huh? You keep driving that thing. Eventually, it's going to quit. I know. When we first got married, we had a Jeep Grand Cherokee. It had a little beeper. And every time I got in, I think we're going, bing, 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 bing. Sabrina was like, what's that noise? I was like, baby, it's telling you that if you don't change the oil, you're going to be walking soon. Some of us, me and we need that reminder, ladies. It can be on the calendar, and I can be so consumed with work and different things that I forget. Ladies, you need to help hold your man accountable to the date because if it's important to you, you need to remind your husband. The husband, when she reminds you, you need to quit. You need to stop thinking that she's nagging you because she wants to be alone with you. You with me? That time is important. Time is important. How about learn? Next thing, you need to learn about each other a little bit more. I, when me and Sabrina first got married, you know what she knew about hunting and fishing? Nothing. Nothing. She goes hunting with me every time. If, I, if that boat leaves the driveway and she ain't in it, she's pouting. She's mad. She loves hunting and fishing. You know why? Because she started spending time with me doing my hobbies, doing my things. You know what? And I went shopping with her a lot. Thank God he answers prayers because she don't like it no more. But the thing is, I used to go shopping and everything with her. And you know what? I had to realize, that, you know what, Jeremy? It's about being with her, not matter if you like it or not. Change your attitude. You better smile. So if you see ever seen me shopping earlier, it looked like this. 
And when she come around the corner, be like, as soon as she walked out, be like, golly, I could be fishing. But you know, I was with her because she wanted me there. Sometimes your presence is all that matters. Not even one open of your mouth. Learn, learn about your, learn about, learn about the hobbies, things that make each other tick. I tell couples all the time that. It, the most people don't understand. You start doing life together, you get married. When you get married, you start getting consumed with life, and you, then you don't understand why they get mad about stuff. We were married about seven years when our marriage started falling apart, and I was like, I told her, I said, I don't understand you. I don't understand what makes you tick. I don't understand. I mean, I do this, and you don't like it. And I do that, and you don't like it. Because I was listening what other women said they liked. And my wife is not like other women. She is her own woman. And I began to like, what, what's, what, what, what's going on? I began to think, you know what, my wife is from Mars or something. She don't like nothing. But I began to understand I got this little book. And I give this to every couple that I counsel. It's called Five Love Languages. It's from Gary Chapman. And it breaks down trying to make you understand what your love language is for your spouse. What makes them feel loved? What makes them feel appreciated? And there's five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And it's simple. How, can you, how do you know that you feel loved? And how are they going to know how to, how to love you unless you know what, it, how, what makes you feel loved? You with me? So I didn't know. She didn't even know what made her feel loved. I was like, well, what you want me to do? She said, I don't know. I was like, well, how am I going to know? She said, I don't know. Huh? I was like, baby, you got to tell me things because, you know, I'm a man. I don't take hints. Y'all with me? Be straight with me. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. She's like, I don't know what I need. I just want you to do something. Just surprise me. I was like, I've been trying to surprise you. You don't like that either. <laughs> but then I started reading this book and realized that one of her, her, number, one, of her number one love languages is, is gifts of gifts. Now imagine that. But that's what she loves, gifts. So, so I started buying gifts and I'd bring them home. And man, let me tell you something. That woman was happy. She started cooking stuff that she ain't cooked in a long time. I mean, it was, I mean, that was phenomenal. I was like, and I told us, baby, you know, this buying gift stuff is great, but let me tell you, we're going to be living in a box. Because I got to, I mean, we can't afford nothing. I'm buying you presents coming home, and we're going to have to start letting the house go and let the car go. And she was like, Jeremy, it's not the amount of stuff you give me. It's what you give me. Because I know that you love me and you're thinking about me when you do those things. Some women just need words of affirmation. They've been told that they're no good. They've been told that they're ugly. They've been told all this stuff by society and other men that's damaged them for so long that they need their husband to tell them that they are something truly special. You know what? And some men need the same thing. It's about knowing what makes your, your partner tick to make sure that they feel like they're loved and appreciated. See, the same thing with Jesus. See, Jesus knows how to make you feel loved because he knows you intimately, personally, and everything because he created you. And I got to read God's word to know what makes him happy. Y'all with me? And when my relationship with Jesus is right, it's when I'm in the word spending time with God and I know what makes him happy. That's obedience. That's, that's listening to his word and doing what it says. The same thing with your relationship with your wife or your husband. And the last thing, it's for caring for one another. Ephesians 5 says this. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, as the Christ the head of the church. 
and his body in which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit them on sorry. Also, wives should submit to their husbands in everything. This heat's getting to me. 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any blemish, but holy and blameless. You know, that when I read that, it's talking about how we should care for one another. So just doing stuff isn't one thing. Your spouse needs to know that you care. How do they know that you care? Caring for your spouse the way God intends you to do is not only begins with you refusing to be self-centered, but it's it's self-sacrificial love. Y'all with me? It's putting your needs second and them in front of you. Y'all know what self-sacrificing love looks like? I remember my daddy telling me that uh, we were going through a really rough patch and, and it was a tough time. Money was tight and daddy, daddy said uh, I was in a store. I didn't really think about it until years later, but I was a spoiled little brat that wanted everything I wanted and wanted a pair of red Reebok tennis shoes. I remember that's when Reebok was the thing. And we, was in, we was in pennies. No, penny, uh, anyway, it was in some kind of shoe store. My mama was so embarrassed with me and my daddy fussing over these pair of tennis shoes, and I was acting out. They didn't have the money to buy me them shoes. And, but my daddy, my daddy bought me them shoes and sacrificed buying him things for work or him things so that I could have. He put himself aside a lot of times so that I could have things that I wanted. You know, when you're that person that people are sacrificing for, you kind of think you're entitled to it. See, that's what self-sacrificing love looks like. When's the last time you've sacrificed for your spouse? When's the last time you've said no to to the buddies at the golf course and yes to your wife? When's the last time you backed up and said, you know what? I may be right in this argument, but I'm going to let you win. You know what? I'm mad about the way you just treated me, but you know what? I'm going to back up and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God for this. You see, the only way that your marriage is going to be what God designed it to be is that you love your spouse the way Jesus loves you. And that is a self-sacrificing love. At any time, while Jesus was on this earth, he could have raised his hand and he could have called down millions and millions of angels to wipe us all out, but instead he loved us enough to sacrifice to his own well-being for his bride, the, the church. See, some of you, your spouse just need to see you sacrificing a little bit make them realize that you really do get it and you want to stay. Nothing glorifies God more than people who sacrifice what they want in order to glorify God. And I know it's hot. 
And I know that today there's been a lot of distractions. But guys, I'm going to tell you, there's more at stake here than just your comfort. There's just more, there's more at stake here than, than you feeling appreciated. There's more at stake here than that. It's the glory of God that is at stake in every marriage. Now, I know there's people that's probably been through divorce, and, and, and you know what? There's some things that, that just happen. And it's not time to focus on the past, but focus on tomorrow. Y'all with me? And I know a lot of people have been in very bad situations where they've been abused. God doesn't intend you to stay in, a, in something that, that, you're, that you're going to lose your life tell you something though our number one purpose on this earth is to give God glory you you with me through my life and through the life of my spouse so you know what for me taking the back seat and letting my wife and sacrificing for her you know what that looks like for me some days it means that I've been I've worked 12 hours I come in the house and she's home She's home. She's been home with pacing all day long. She's frazzled because he's cried. He's teething. He's upset. It's, it's time for me to come in. Sacrificing for me is to say, you know what? I just want to sit down and drink a Coca-Cola and just have some me time because I'm tired. But you know what sacrificing for me is? Is I go in and I get that little boy and I say, you know what, baby? Go spend some time alone. Go do something else. I got this. But she can rewind. I always, I don't, I hit that about twice a week. I don't hit it every day. I'm telling you, I'm fighting with that selfishness. But the thing is, it's about looking to your spouse's needs more than your own. And a lot of you, that's what your spouse is looking at. They think you're just selfish, self-centered person that don't care about nobody but themselves. And they're wondering why they're even in this anymore. And until you start loving your spouse the way Jesus Christ loves you, you will never know what it truly means to have a relationship that's sacrificing God honor. Marriage is the only thing. It only works if we put it first. You with me? If we put it first. And the most important thing is those children at home. If you're going to end well, like you began, I want my children be able to see a godly man and woman when I'm 60, 70 years old. When I see a man and woman that's lived together and they, they've been married 70 years, that's like, that's a miracle in the, the day. But it's not a miracle. It's two, it's two men, I mean, two, a man and a woman. Sorry, let me back that up. It's a man and a woman. It's a man and a woman. Two people in a holy union following Jesus intimately, passionately, and never giving up on each other. See, don't give up on your spouse today. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your wife because Jesus never gave up on you. And what you need to do, instead of complaining to everybody else about your spouse, you need to start telling Jesus about them. Amen? Instead of just saying, well, they don't do this and they don't do that, you know what you need to do? You need to go the extra mile. You need to be that self-sacrificing spouse. You need to put your spouse first like you say they are. Think about your week. Have, have, has, has your spouse been first? Because chances are, if your spouse isn't first, Jesus Christ isn't first in your life. So today, the challenge is, is for you to really think about your life. I mean, do yourself a favor. 
Do your family a favor. Place your marriage on the same priority level as brushing your teeth in the morning. You with me? It ain't a, it's not negotiable. So today, I want to challenge you guys. When the, as the band comes up and we begin to play, I want to challenge you guys. All of us got room for improvement. If you're married, I challenge you to bring your spouse to this altar and pray. Pray for God to remove the selfishness in your life. Pray for God to help you guys be unified. Pray for God to to unify you so that you can show the world the love of Christ through your marriage. Y'all with me? This altar is a place where we come and get on our feet before Jesus and we go out and we, we lay our cares and our burdens down. Let's do this together. And I'm going to ask my wife, Sabrina, will you come? Come on. She hates being in front of people, but I'm going to ask my wife to come. We're going to come to this altar. We take this stuff serious. And I ask you to join us down here at this altar and pray for your marriage. When's the last time you've prayed for your spouse?